Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I just got in for the bank. Phew. Getting all my money out of that, baby. Uh, not exactly. All right. We got to have faith and trust in this banking system, right? Uh, <laughs> I hope they know what they're doing. I really do. I don't want to have another 2008 or worse in 1929. Do you want to have that? Oh, man. Another thing to worry about. What's <laughs> All right. I've been trying to get my hands around this thing because quite frankly, I, I'll admit it. I am not a finance guy. I, I have a hard time. Uh, yeah, I can never make it on Wall Street. Never. Those guys start talking. I, I turn on CNBC for three seconds. Uh, they're talking way above my head. I don't know how it's all going down. However, 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 I do know the fundamentals of a bank and you can look it up and it's pretty easy to understand. And it's also pretty easy to psych yourself totally out about banking because the whole thing, the whole system really is teetering on the verge of collapse at any given moment on any given day in any given year. It's amazing. This thing doesn't happen more often. All right. So let's go to Silicon Valley bank. And by the way, I'm going to have uh, my buddy John tobacco on in a little bit. Uh, the guy made a total killing on wall street uh, knows all the ins and outs. And uh, I think he's actually down there right now on the floor of the stock exchange. He's going to call in with the, um, the, I don't know, the, the stuff I guess you need to know, but the stuff that to me, to understand this thing, it's not that crazy hard. All right. So you have a bank and how does a bank work? People make deposits and then the bank takes that money and they make loans, right? They make loans for somebody else to, for a house or for a car or for a boat and they make money off of interest. All right, that I can understand. The interest and then uh, the depositors get their money back, but the, uh, the the bank charges a little bit more, so they make money, and that's great. Everybody should make money. Um, the thing is, the bank is only required to keep 10% cash reserve at any given time. 10%, according to, I think, federal reg- regulations, 10%. So if everybody in the bank decided at the same time they wanted their money right now, uh, we'd be in big trouble. All right. The, any bank would be in trouble. It doesn't, it doesn't have enough money to cover all that stuff. And then you have the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Is that it? And they'll back up your account to $250,000. And they've got billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars in that thing. I think they've got about almost 500 billion. The thing is, <laughs> Uh, Americans don't have billions in the bank. We have trillions in the bank. Many, 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 many trillions of dollars in the bank. Um, so it's all kind of teetering on a, on a, just on a precipice. Anything, it's amazing that it's lasted this long. I'm sure it's going to last a long time into the future. Uh, and they call it a contagion. People get nervous and then they, they want their money back from the bank. 
and other people get nervous. They want their money back from the bank and so on and so on and so on. Now, a couple of unique things about uh, Silicon Valley Bank. And by the way, if you know more about this, let me know. But um, given its proximity to Silicon Valley, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of very bright engineers, and they've got big ideas. You know, they all want to change the world. They want to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey. And they, they, they're very bright and they've got amazing ideas. So, but you're very bright and you're an engineer. You got a great idea. Then you got to make it happen. How do you make it happen? Do you get a loan from a bank? Not really. What they do is they go to venture capitalists, very, very rich guys. You come in, you make your pitch, kind of like Shark Tank. You come in, you make your pitch. Hey, here's my idea. I think, uh, it's going to change the world. It's, uh, it's a, I don't know, an internet mousetrap. Who the hell knows? It's some, something that's going to be fantastic for everybody. And the, the, the venture capitalist says, I like that. I like that. Here's $10 million. Okay, fantastic. Everything's great. And what do they do with that $10 million? They put it in the bank, and then they start their business, their little startup business, and they start paying people and, and that kind of thing. Oh, by the way, not all venture capitalists work that way. They'll say, all right, I'll give you $10 million over the next uh, five years, so that's two million dollars a year, and I'm also only going to give it in three month increments. All right, so I'm going to pay you quarterly, so you don't have all the money at, w- at, at in one fell swoop. And what happens is, and that's fine. You still got the money coming in, uh, so the deposits have been made, and a couple of things go wrong. Number one, venture capitalists. Uh, their money is e- is worth even more now because of the interest rates, right? Their money has gone through the roof. Having money is even more. Remember, a couple of years ago, interest rates were at zero. So their money is more valuable, and they haven't been giving, the venture capitalists have not been giving the money to the tech guys the way they used to be. So there's less money going to the bank, and that means there's more money coming out of the bank. All right, so that makes the... That's one part of this puzzle. And then the other thing, you know, I said earlier that the managers of the bank were just making investments normally. You know, they'll, they'll make, uh, not investments, loans. They'll loan money to people to buy a house, to buy a car, to buy a boat, whatever, right? And, but it's the Silicon Valley Bank. And these are high end people. And these are, they're not just regular bankers. I don't think they'd be satisfied with that. So they have a, They've got a venture capital firm of their own, and they're finding all kinds of interesting and unique ways to invest the money. You know, if you're in Silicon Valley, you don't want to just be like an ordinary banker. You want to be somebody special, right? You want to, and you want to make a killing because you're surrounded by billionaires. So they started to invest in things that maybe they shouldn't have invested in. I'm not, maybe they shouldn't have, maybe they should have, maybe, I think it was legal. One of the things they invested in were these um, government backed, securities the more government backed securities like a savings bond which to me sounds kind of lame you know but like a saving like come on can't you do better than that i mean i i i got one on my holy communion and then i realized man this is not actually a very good deal it's not going to be good for 10 years and if you sell it at any point you're not going to get what it's actually worth you're not going to get say a 100 dollar bond if you sell it early you'll get 75 bucks 80 bucks whatever it is so when the people started asking for their money because the venture capital money wasn't coming in, they had to start selling stuff. And some of it was before it was actually ready to be sold. Like the, um, 
uh, like, like some of those government-backed securities. So they were selling them early. It's a 10-year security, but we can't wait 10 years. These guys need their money right now. So I believe that's where we are. Now, there's this contagion factor, all right? It happened with Signature Bank. Uh, they shut that down. Uh, First Republic, there are questions about that. And what does it mean for the rest of us? I don't know. I hope we're going to be okay. I just had to get my hands around that. I believe those are the basics, and I can live with that. Uh, and I think we're going to be, I don't know if they only have 10% of the money at any given time. It's a house of cards, right? It's a house of cards. And it kind of, you kind of wonder a little bit, is this, is this legal? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is legal, but it's, it's vexing, right? Isn't it a little bit, uh, I don't know. Hey, did you see my show Friday night? I know it seems like eight years ago, but got to point this out once again, how hard it is to be a white woman in America. If you are a white woman, you you got an extra amount of stress, extra amount of stress, especially if you're a white mother, white mother. You're, it's tough. It's tough for everybody in the human race, everybody. But you're being given a hard time because of two things, your gender, your race, three things. And how you voted in 2016. White women, a majority of them voted for Donald Trump. So there's been this bullying campaign in effect ever since. A big bullying campaign. And it's happened on national TV. Before we do that, I will say this. SVB, the the bank there, Silicon Valley Bank, a good chunk of the management, like the rest of corporate America, has gone totally insane woke. All this, and by the way, I heard a debate this morning. Well, what is woke exactly? And most Americans are actually for woke. Most Americans like gay marriage. Yeah. Most Americans like free speech. All right. And woke is at odds with free speech. I saw a university professor get up and yell at a, an invited guest speaker because the invited guest speaker, a federal judge might make some of the students feel uncomfortable and unsafe with his words. His opinions might make somebody unsafe. Anyway, the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at the uh, Silicon Valley Bank apparently had a safe room for people to come if they want to come out of come out of the closet. I guess you know I want to announce myself as LGBTQ, non-binary, whatever. Uh, you could do that in a special place. I would say that the best place to do that is at home. Okay, we're too. Aren't you supposed to be busy making sure this banking stuff works? Apparently, you weren't. That might have been one of the problems here. Uh, but this woke stuff is corrosive. Everybody's taking their eye off the ball, including, oh, by the way, the aviation industry. I saw more debate about uh, Black Lives Matter pins and whether or not they should be worn. And United Airlines and their CEO really kind of wringing their hands about, oh, Black Lives Matter. We should really embrace Black Lives Matter. How about embracing safety and not hitting other airplanes, huh? You want to fix that one first? Well, they didn't prioritize. There's too much faith in these machines and computers that they're going to protect us all. I think we're all distracted, including everybody. Everybody. Nobody is doing their job as well as they should. Anyway, back to the white women. Can you believe that this was international news? This woman uh, from St. Louis, she is going into her condominium. And like she is supposed to, she is reluctant to let somebody inside that she's never seen before. 
it's kind of we're in New York. Lots of people live in apartment buildings. If there's no doorman, you got to have a key to the building. You don't let some guy in who just happens to be there. I don't care if he's white. I don't care if he's black. I don't care if it's a woman. I don't care if it's non-binary. I don't know who you are. Sorry, but uh, this is very close proximity here in the vestibule. We don't get you don't get to come in the building with me if you don't have a key. You know what that's known as being smart, be, standing up for yourself, right? We used to call that girl power if a woman was doing it. Now it's racism and it can get you canceled. All right. Cut 21, please. This is the number one news program in America. Cut 21. The confrontation caught on video, a white woman blocking a black tenant from entering their apartment building, demanding proof that he lives there. Now, you might say, well, that's a long time ago. What's the difference? Oh, yeah, it's not just a one-off thing. That is changing society. It is changing people, changing behavior. And that kind of episode, it's a signal from the mob. We will come after you if you do not comply. And again, the original sin of the white woman in this moment is voting for Donald Trump in 2016. <sighs> Diversity, equity, inclusion. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Uh, is it is it worth it? What? And by the way, who the hell cares? What has happened to our precious country? What's happening? That Constitution is such an amazing document. And here's something that we all should do. You know, it's very easy to understand. And I was talking to Barbara about this. It is a straightforward document. They want you to think that it's esoteric. It's not. It's very simple. It was written for ordinary people. It's understandable. And you should understand it as they are threatening to change it and throw it out. And they're saying that it's inherently racist because a bunch of white men wrote it. Well, thank God those white men were in Philadelphia and Virginia. And where were they when they wrote that Constitution? I think it was Philadelphia and Virginia. But anyway, they were amazing. It was Providence. They were they were here, and you know where they got their power from? You know they say where that document really gets its power from? God. God. There is this whole myth about the separation of church and state that people don't understand. Yes, we want freedom of religion. We absolutely want freedom of religion. And you are free to practice. You are free to not practice. And, oh, by the way, that is under assault, big time. Um, but our Constitution it was written by men who believed in God and our rights, our rights come from God. All right. Not from, not from the Department of Homeland Security, not from the IRS, not from the Department of Health and Human Services, not from Kathy Hochul. Right. Right. Uh, hey, at this weird moment with the economy, do you think, do you think it's a good thing that Joe Biden is in charge? Do you think? I don't think so. I don't think so. And when he talks about the economy, he has no idea what he's talking about. You know, banks make loans all the time. Who is really good at getting loans? Donald Trump. He was fantastic. He knows this stuff through and through. Don't believe Joe Biden when he says stuff like this. Cut 23. Look, I'm a capitalist. You've heard me say this before. Look, I'm a capitalist. I'm not anti-business. I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist. Look. You've heard me say it before. I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist. I'm not trying to punish anybody. Yeah, except people who are richer than he is. He hates that. He's been a big shot United States senator. 
hanging around with very rich people for a long time, but he's he's the president. He was the senator. He was the vice president. He was the biggest man in any room in Delaware for a long time, and he couldn't stand that the DuPonts were worth more than him. So he found a way to address that and fix that. Anyway, we have a non-capitalist, borderline socialist. He's already gotten his. He doesn't care about us, and he's at the helm right now to guide us through this thing. I don't like it. Neither should you. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, so the economy is totally screwed up, and uh, internationally we are suffering big time. Now, over the weekend, actually late last week, let's see who's friends now who used to be enemies. Saudi Arabia and Iran. Hey, uh, we don't like that. That's not good for a lot of reasons. Oh, and you know who facilitated that little arrangement? China. We are becoming a second-tier player. You want something done in the world? It seems like you go to China first, right? We have Joe Biden who does not, cannot, will not confront China. He wants to give them the lead because I do believe that they've got the goods on Joe Biden. You know, Tony Bobolinsky, uh, do you remember him? Tony is the professional uh, financier who was essentially contracted by the Bidens, hired by the Bidens. You know, hey, we got a lot of money and we want to, uh, you know, we want to be a hedge fund. We want to do things with this money. We want to invest. We want to. So Bobolinsky sets up a, a very kind of respectable uh, firm to do that with the appropriate governance and bylaws, all the things you got to do. And then he found out that the Bidens, they weren't interested in any of that. Okay, they just wanted to use Bobolinsky for a short period of time to set things up. And then they didn't need him anymore. And they found a way to get all the money for themselves. And however, before Tony Bobolinsky went on his way, he learned all kinds of nasty stuff that they've been up to. Okay, remember uh, the money that was the, the, the work that they were doing with the Chinese, the money that was coming in, really crazy stuff that could land a person in prison. But. They had plausible deniability, remember? Plausible deniability. Well, Bobolinsky now believes that the whole effort to do business with Joe Biden was an intelligence-gathering situation, right? They wanted intel on Joe. And, yeah, they wanted to uh, they wanted to find compromising stuff on him. Now they have. They own him. If you want to understand why Joe Biden is not complaining about the balloon, why he's not complaining about the Wuhan virus, why he's going along with President Xi, it's because President Xi has evidence that Joe Biden is corrupt. Greg Kelly, Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So remember what you can do in America and not spend the night in jail. You can trash a McDonald's with an axe and threaten people and assault people. And you're out of jail about uh, 90 minutes later. No problem. No questions asked. Uh, we'll see the judge in three months. That actually happened. Uh, let's see. You can light a Christmas tree on fire right in front of Fox News. Uh, when you're the accused, uh, you get out of jail about four hours later. Okay, a bit more time, right? That's a pretty major uh, act of arson, don't you think? A school shooting, a mass school shooting in Texas, uh, you're released the next day. Now, in that culture, in that in this world, we're still messing around with Donald Trump and Stormy Daniels and Michael Cohen seven years later. Three private parties, okay? Three private parties. Uh, a check for 130000 Nobody was the victim. Who was the victim other than arguably Donald Trump? All right, Stormy wanted money. 
uh, she got money. You know, you are allowed in America to do things. You are allowed to do things with your own money. I want to give it to Stormy Daniels. You're al- I'm allowed to. And Stormy is allowed to uh, star in pornographic movies and dance like crazy. And I guess uh, she's also free. There's no law against this. She's free to go on 60 Minutes and lie like crazy. Uh, this whole thing didn't happen in my book. It really didn't. I, I know how it all came together. I'm convinced I've got the entire story. But the first thing you got to understand is, well, number one, Michael Cohen is legit when he says this. You ready, Michael Cohen? Cut 30. Mitch Cohen, you called Donald Trump a cheat in your opening testimony. Uh, what would you call yourself? A fool. <laughs> a fool. Uh, you got that right, pal. I see him around town every now and then. You know, he's really enjoying his, uh, his newfound celebrity. He was very fresh. He always wanted to be a big shot. He wasn't Donald Trump's personal attorney, by the way. He was borderline a volunteer over there. You know how much he got paid as Donald Trump's attorney? Huh? Take a guess. Take a guess. Take a guess. You can look it up. Ready? Ready for the gargantuan figure? $75,000 a year. $75,000 a year. Uh, Michael Cohen was not Donald Trump's lawyer. You know, a guy named Mark Kazowitz, who went to Yale, Kazowitz, that law firm, that is the firm that represents the Trump organization. Michael Cohen, it's unclear what the hell he was uh, good for. A lot of people warned Trump about Michael Cohen over the years. Did I tell you I once walked over the Brooklyn Bridge with Michael Cohen? Uh, true story. About 10 years ago, we it's a, it was actually a beautiful event. It was for St. Jude's for, Hospital for Children, Raising money for those kids. It's an amazing uh, outfit, that St. Jude's. All the money goes directly to child care. Uh, Eric Trump, committed to those children, has been raising money for them and uh, donating over the years. By the way, of course, they try to blow up Eric Trump all over that. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a scam. It's this, it's that. You know what it was? 1,000% pure and beautiful. Every, they, they, they tried, they tried, they tried. They found out. Oh, my goodness, all the money, all of the money actually went to the kids. Uh, that one blew up in their face, although you never really hear about that. But anyway, this is a fun run, fun walk over the Brooklyn Bridge, and I found myself walking with uh, Michael Cohen, and the entire time he's telling me that he's going to be the mayor of New York. I'm going to run for mayor. It's not, it's not, it's not me. Who? And I'm like, uh, anyone? I mean, I just, I, 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 have you been drinking this morning? He just didn't seem to understand, uh, reality. It really was something else. All right. Susan is in, uh, upstate. Yeah. The Finger Lakes lady. Hi, Susan. Uh, hi there. Um, listen, you know, I have a little background in investment banking. Um, but I, I've been listening this morning to so called experts and what you described as far as banking, how, Banks get deposits, and then they lend out money. Yeah. Apparently, this bank, it does cater to Silicon Valley, venture capitalists, and they were not making loans. And this seems to be a management problem. Banks are highly regulated. so um, They were making some loans. They were making some loans. Now, Tell me, Susan, I think where they got themselves in trouble, well, investing in those government-backed securities, right, number one. Number two, uh, the they had almost their own venture capitalist boutique up there, and they wanted to be like masters of the universe, right? And uh, so they were 
they were playing a game that was more exciting and more risky than traditional banking. Is that fair? Yes, exactly. So here's the thing. Um, you know, banking is highly regulated. So, it, but you can't, the management of the bank has to be responsible for the risks they took. And they should not, in my opinion, we should not, taxpayers should not be bailing them out. Well, the managers, um, I don't think anybody is really arguing that we should be bailing the managers out. They're screwed. Uh, they messed up. Um, and this is on them. I, I don't think anybody, I mean, I saw Biden this morning, but we do believe, and you believe, Susan, that the depositors, we want the depositors to get their money back, correct? Well, the depositors, um. Wait a second now. Wait a sec. Why the hell are you so, why are you so hesitant to say the depositors should get their money back? These are not widows and orphans. Hey, hey, hey. I don't care who the hell they are. Excuse, wait a second. Don't, you know, you're, now you're painting with a broad brush, okay? All kinds of people deposit money in a bank. Widows and orphans and obnoxious rich guys, okay? It's fine. You put money in a bank, you should, you have the reasonable expectation. It's reasonable to think that they're going to keep it for you. So you think the depositors should not get their money back? No, I didn't say that. I think you were getting, you were warming up for that. You were just saying something along those lines. I think it needs to be looked at because one of the key people also took three and a half million out recently before this. So I think that this needs to be investigated. How long is hey, this? Hey, 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 let me tell you something. If I found out my bank was about to go under, you know what I would do? I'd go right to the bank and take the money. I know uh, I'm not supposed to do that or whatever. Maybe not even supposed to say that, but uh, uh, that's what I that's what I do. I don't know that uh, one of the key people. When, what do you mean by key people? He worked at the bank. He gave, what? No, what? I think was a, I think was a, one of the top um, uh, executives. Ask John Tobacco about it. Well, he'll be here I in a little bit. Uh, I've already talked to him uh, twice this morning, by the way. So we're on the same page here. Uh, but he understands us at a level that I don't. But I. You know, widows and orphans, you know, if you deposited money in that bank, I'd like to see you get all the money back. All right. You're a victim if you deposited money in that bank. You are a victim. Okay. Do we agree, Susan? 50,000. No, 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 no. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. The FDIC. Now you're the FDIC. I mean, if arrangements can be made for these people to get their money back, don't you, you don't think so? Are you, you're just going to be like, up oh, $250,000. That's it. That's it. $250,000. That's what the law is. That's what it's there for, up to 250000 That's great, Susan. You know what? I mean, obviously, you don't have any money tied up in this bank. Uh, if, if arrangements can be made, and there are people, you'd be surprised, widows and orphans. You know, the, what, what did I hear? The average amount, the average person in America has $79,000 in the bank. There are plenty of people. Maybe that's the median, the mean. I don't know. There are plenty of people. So you just say, okay, FDIC, that says this. Well, now on, we'll just spread our money out from bank to bank to bank. If you're, if you got the, if you're, if you're that rich, I'm surprised, Susan. You're a very warm person up there at the Finger Lakes. You're very in touch. And now you say these people don't deserve to get their money back. No, I didn't say that. You you did. You said it five times already. I said up to two hundred. Ah, you know what? Yeah, yeah, right. You know what? So somebody worked, slaved, right, all their lives. They saved. Let's say they saved nine hundred thousand dollars, right? You don't think, you don't think that we should make arrangements somehow 
and it could be done to get their money back. Hey, by the way, you know, all the banks, as you were in banking, you know, we're one, we're one bad rumor away from this entire banking system totally collapsing. Because that uh, FDIC thing that you keep talking about, it can't insure every depositor in America. You know that, right? It can't. It can't. There's not enough money. We've got trillions of dollars in the bank, cumulatively, as a country. And they have billions of dollars to insure it. I mean, many trillions of dollars. It's no, There's no hope that the FDIC is going to be able to pay everybody back. So I have no beef, no grievance. Uh, hey, look, uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank, they've got a they've got an office and everything. They even have a branch in London. They have TV commercials. Looks like a legit bank to me. I would put what? Where the taxpayers are going to pay the trillions of dollars? That's what you're saying. No, 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 no. I'm just saying you need to think about what would you know our system. You know how they put the word trust on a lot of banks, right? Trust Trust. You worked in banking. What does that word mean? Why do they use the word trust? Because you have to trust in who you're putting the money into. And if the management is not being... uh, We all have to trust, believe it or not, we all have to trust this system, which could come crashing down like a house of cards. It's crazy. Any one bank at any given time has to have how much cash reserve on hand, Susan? Well, 10%. 10%. There's not a bank in the country. I don't think. Maybe a few. Maybe the big giant banks, Goldman, whatever. They can they can have uh, 100% of the money around. I don't think they do. So every bank is susceptible to going down if their depositors decide to get their money, right? Well, right. Right. This is am I right? Management of the bank. Forget management. That- Forget management. The laws of physics and math. All right, ten percent. Not we cannot cover that. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, apparently, you don't. You just know what the penalty should be, Susan. I love you, but I think you are very, very harsh with these people who made no mistakes whatsoever. Let's go to Wayne in Morristown. Wayne, what do you make of this? Well, what happens is this is just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh, we went from dot com. You remember what that was? That was just all these dot com startups that weren't didn't even exist. And there was money being lent to them on paper, and they were doing all this. This is just finding a new one. This is crypto. This is startup companies. So you take a startup bank, and you take all your money, and you lend it to startups that really don't even well, Wait a second. Wait stuff. a second. Hold on a second. The, the money that is funding these startups, generally speaking, I don't believe, is coming from the bank. It's not coming from uh, Silicon Valley Bank. The money is coming primarily from venture capitalists. I mean, from private individuals who want to make money. That's okay. And these people are trying to make products. That's okay. They've got big ideas. Maybe they work. Maybe they don't. Uh, I mean, look, I'm resentful of anybody who's richer than me on some level. But what, what, what is your grievance, Wayne? I mean, who are you? You say it's all, it's all going back to dot com and crypto. But make the case here. Who did who did something wrong other than bank management? Well, you can actually go to for a, like a long term plot over here. You go to the SEC. You get your charter. You open a bank. You get investors in the bank. You get all the people. You get the depositors in a bank, and then that's where all the legs start to go out and go wrong. Then they say, well, "What oh, do you, you mean? What, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? I mean, then then the bank has got to. My understanding is." 
they got to start making loans, right? They have to start, they have to put, they have to take our money and give it to somebody else if they're going to make money. And if we're going to make money. But they can put together a web of people. They can even put themselves on the on the bankroll of, of all the companies that they have out there where they're getting money. No, from I think it. that's they're illegal. All- I think that's actually illegal what you're talking about. And there are rules against what you're talking about. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm actually, I don't know. Again, so your grievance is what? I mean, you do realize look, this goes all the way back. This goes back centuries. Did you ever see the movie, uh, what is it again, Jimmy Stewart? It's a Wonderful Life. They have a run on the bank, and all the people show up, and they want they demand Jimmy Stewart, give me my money, give me my money right now. And the guy's like, uh, we don't have it. It's not in the safe. You don't understand. It's in that guy's house. It's in that guy's car. We don't have it on hand. That's not how it works. So I, I'm still trying to figure out who is who you think is the villain here. Okay, but what happens is this. The SEC is woefully unprepared to take care of this. You've heard of the whole theory of room full of paper. They say, where did that 12 cents go? And you go, okay, I can show you. You send a tractor trailer load of paper to the SEC Uh. that shows somewhere in there where that 12 cents is. And then they track the trailer back up. I know. Look, look, a bureaucracy is screwed up. I have no, uh, obviously it is. But what are we supposed to do? What, what, what's the alternative? I mean, what are you what are you suggesting? What 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 what? Keep the money under our mattress? What do we do? No, no, no. We have to depend on the banking system. We have to go through this. But just like everything else in our lives, the thieves and the creeps out there doing all the evil are the ones doing things like this. This guy and she was exactly right. The president of that bank took all of his money out of that bank two weeks ago. Well, she just said, no, no, actually, I asked her that. She didn't know if it was, she just said some key person. She didn't say he worked at the bank. She didn't say that. She said, she just said a key person. It sounded to me like she was talking about, look, if that guy did that, he's in trouble, obviously. And the whole world is looking at him right now. Uh, the whole world is looking at that dude. And I am, uh, let me ask you just, all right, I got to go. Hold on. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, one of the reasons why we're in this fix with that bank is because uh, the Biden administration indicated last week that it's only up to $250,000. That's all the money you're going to be able to get. And I think Joe said something different today, which is somewhat calming. Uh, people didn't want to hear, just like I didn't want to hear from Susan, that we were only going to get, the depositors were only going to get $250,000 because the FDIC. Can I hear, let's uh, let's listen to Joe from this morning. He was a little bit, uh, I guess I'll say this, he was on time. He was on time, 9 o'clock, all right? The whole, the, the markets and this kind of thing, they can't screw around like this. Uh, or they can't screw around like they normally do. Let me hear this. Before I uh, leave for California, I want to briefly speak about what's happening in Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. And their hardworking employees can breathe easier as well. Last week, when we learned of the problems of the banks and the impact they could have on jobs of small businesses and banking systems overall, 
I instructed my team to act quickly to protect these interests. They've done that. They've done that. On Friday, the government regulator in charge, the FDIC, took control of Silicon Valley Bank's assets. And over the weekend, it took control of Signature Bank's assets. Treasury Secretary Yellen and a team of banking regulators have taken action, immediate action. And here are the highlights. First, all customers who had deposits in these banks can rest assured. I want to rest assured they'll be protected and they'll have access to their money as of today. That includes small businesses across the country. That hey, you know what? There. I like that. All right. This is the only time in my life that I ever heard Joe Biden, you know, speak. And I'm like, OK, you know, what's uh, like like the only time he is. Is this is this leadership? Is this something? Is this a rumor of leadership? I don't know. Keep going. And need to make payroll, pay their bills and stay open for business. No losses. Will, and I'm, this is an important point. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Because of the actions of that, because of the actions that our regulator has already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. All right. Now, it's getting a little bit murky as to how the government's going to do this without uh, without taxpayer funds. Uh, mm. All right, John Tobacco's with me in a moment. Uh, let's just see if there's anything else. I see that two of the executives worked at Lehman Brothers and Deutsche Bank. Not no, well, as far as the Lehman Brothers, right? Lehman Brothers is gone, isn't it? So Lehman Brothers, that's bad. Uh, retired Congressman two thousand eight under fire. Blah, blah, blah. Signature Bank is out of there as well. Now, would Dodd Frank have made a difference? I don't think so. I don't think so. And a number of Democrats signed on with Dodd Frank, although I don't know enough about Dodd Frank to make that uh, conclusion. Uh, Biden calls for excess to be fired. Uh, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind anybody. Being. First Republic banks fails near, falls nearly seventy percent. Traded trading halting halted after collapse of SB. Okay, so First Republic's in trouble. A timeline. Of, uh, let's just go through this again. Sorry, I got. I'm still coming. To, the COVID pandemic brought on a huge amount of deposits for. Uh, SVB. They did very, very well during COVID. Here, listen to this. By the end of 2022, the number had shrunk slightly to $175.4 billion as clients got socked by a weak market for initial public offerings. This is in the post. Most recently, more than 90% of the bank's deposits were above the $250,000 federal insurance threshold. I'm sorry, but I just, I have a bad feeling. I'm not publicly going to say, I don't even privately believe that these people should lose their money. I don't want that to happen. This banking system is, uh, whew, who knew it was so delicate? All right, do me a favor. John Tobacco is next. Your calls as well. Many thanks. Stand by. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. You know it's a lie. You've admitted it's a lie. You know what? That's a really evil guy, Chuck Schumer, demanding, ordering private citizens, what they can do, what they can say. I mean, and you know what? I wonder. I don't know. I don't know because Tucker last week had some game-changing information, that footage, all right, about the Horns guy, about um, 
Officer Sicknick. I got to say, after that, there they were. I don't know if they showed any more new footage. Tucker did not change his tune by any means on January sixth, but did they? Did they prevent Tucker from airing more footage? I mean, forty-one thousand hours, and we only saw a few minutes max. Uh, where's the rest? Is that all there is to the story? I don't think so. Who the hell is the government to talk like that on the floor of the United States Senate? I got to hear that one more time. This guy Schumer. Who the hell do you think you are? Did he? Was that a threat? Let me hear one more time. Fox News, Rupert Murdoch, tell Carlson not to run a second segment of lies. You know it's a lie. You've admitted it's a lie. No, no. Number one, shut up about lies, okay? You guys, <laughs> Chuck Schumer accusing anybody of lying. That's rich. But there is an element of threat in his voice, right? When you so confidently make a demand like that, you think you can. That's like a boss talking to his employee, right? There's something, and this is a guy, he does it, he does it a lot. He should have been arrested after he did it uh, to Judge Kavanaugh. Remember this, cut 18? I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. Yeah, that's a threat. It's in violation of federal law. That guy should have been locked up. It's unbelievable. And he's scared. He's scared of the woke left. He's um, very much so. He's owned by them and using the power. And he's got major power, regulatory stuff, all kinds of things. A United States senator, the majority leader of the U.S. Senate, could do to make Fox News's life difficult and Rupert Murdoch's life difficult. And making a demand like that, I wonder. I wonder if that's what what went down here. You know? Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right. I am not done with this SVB thing. But I haven't had a call in a while, and you guys are interested. David, what is up? Hello. Greg, I hope Susan's still listening because I want to tell her how correct I think her position is. That the depositors should not get anything above 250000 if they had above 250000 Correct, and I'll tell you hey, why. Hey, where's your bank, David? Where do you bank? Do you have more than 250000 in the bank? Not in any one bank. Because how many I banks? Know, How many banks? How many banks? You spread it around? I do for, for, for this specific reason. Because when a person opens a bank account, they sign an agreement with the bank, just like a borrower for a student loan signs an agreement saying they will pay it back. In the bank situation, you agree that your coverage ends at $250,000. Oh, thank you, David. Well, listen, uh, you know, we sign a lot of forms, all right? There's a lot of fine print. There's a lot of – anybody remember – all right, so you think that uh, the depositors should not be bailed out, right? I, I hate to see people lose money, but this is an insurance policy, and I can't think of any any example in the insurance industry – where you collect more than the policy limit. Well, what might happen is is another a private buyer takes over the bank, and that's a game changer, and that may be in the works already. So we wouldn't have to rely on the FDIC. Uh, but if you come from the finance world or if you have uh, knowledge here, then tell me how it works. The FDIC only has uh, X number of billions of dollars available uh, for emergencies. I think it's I think it's about it's less than five hundred billion. 
it's multiple trillions of dollars that are actually uh, deposited. So there's a great big gap, right? I, I, I don't can't claim that level of expertise. But as you've pointed out, I don't even think the administration knows for sure how they're going to do this. I think they said what they needed to say this morning in order to restore some confidence in the banks and get the markets under control. Well, one thing you need, that confidence is a real thing. Now, here's that famous clip from It's a Wonderful Life. And, you know, the people there showed up to get their money out of the bank. And they were told they don't have the bank right. They don't have the money right there. What was true then is true now. Go ahead. This is Jimmy Stewart and uh, Donna Reed and the gang. Don't look now, but there's something funny going on over there at the bank, George. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of being a run. Run on the bank. And he walks into the bank, and there's a huge crowd. He's the manager of the Uh, bank. Just remember that this thing isn't as black as it appeared. (laughs) Seems pretty black. I have some news for you, folks. I was just talking to old man Potter, and he's guaranteed cash payments to the bank. The bank's going to reopen next week. But, George, I got my money here. Did he guarantee this place? Well, no, Charlie. I didn't even ask him. We don't need Potter over here. And I'll take mine now. No, but you're... You're you're thinking of this place all wrong, as if I had the money back in a safe. The, The money's not here. Well, your money's in Joe's house. That's right next to yours. And in the Kennedy house and Mrs. Maitland's house and a hundred others. You're lending them the money to build, and then they're going to pay it back to you as best they can. Now, what are you going to do, foreclose on them? I got $242 in here, and $242 isn't going to break anybody. Okay, Tom. All right, so people start demanding their money. And you're not going to say Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart's not a dishonest guy. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. There's not enough money in the bank to cover all the deposits. So it's a great big house of cards, right, David? I think you are making a good argument for some rules changes and maybe an increase in the FDIC limit. No, there's never going to be there's never going to be enough money to cover everything. You know, it's you got to it's maybe it is a legalized Ponzi scheme. Who the hell knows? David, stand by. Is John Tobacco on the phone? Fantastic. John Tobacco, Wall Street expert, Newsmax contributor. Uh, from what I know, but you don't have to comment, uh, John. You have made a multiple, multiple killings on Wall Street. Congratulations. Uh, John, welcome. How are you? Greg, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So, uh, John, uh, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Man, we're in the middle of a bank crisis. We got uh, most of the mainstream media doing all they can to be apologists and keep people calm, which is good, but People need to be on heightened alert. People need to stay nimble right now. I would suggest I'm not a financial advisor, but where you have an opportunity to be in cash, I'd be in cash. It keeps you in the most nimble position. Um, But what we're seeing here, Greg, is we're seeing years and years of government easing, printing money, lending it to banks at 0% interest, and then the banks were buying treasuries, collecting 2% interest, so it was an easy trade. Now with rates at 4% to combat inflation, all the banks are underwater on that treasury paper, and that's why they're blowing up one by one. All right. Now, number one, is this Biden's fault? I would say it's uh, it's the inflation's his fault. 
and the reaction to fight the inflation and it's it's massive spending, it's the stimulus bills, it's the Inflation Reduction Act and all this other stuff that we printed so much money that's kind of caused this hyperinflation and that's put the Fed in a place where they have to raise rates to fight inflation and raising rates is what is now blowing up the bank. So, yes, it is Biden's fault, but it's also 10 years worth of the Fed you know, lending out money to banks is zero. <laughs> um, all right. Now I hear some people saying, well, you know, uh, Trump repealed essentially Dodd-Frank, uh, which is banking regulations. I don't know what was in Dodd-Frank. I do know it had some Democrat support. Dodd-Frank, um, repealing it, that is, re- repealing Dodd-Frank had Democrat support. What What do you make of that? If Dodd-Frank, tell us what it is, and if it were in effect, would that have stopped this? Oh, look, uh, Dodd-Frank, like much legislation passed with probably 90 percent of the legislators not even knowing what was in there. The big ballyhoo at the time was that they wanted to put more controls on banks, more risk assessments so that they wouldn't blow up and be too big to fail. But, Greg, the uh, the funny thing that really happened is Signature Bank, which is the bank that also blew up over the weekend. Believe it or not, the author of the Dodd-Frank bill, Barney Frank, is on the board of directors of Signature Bank. So whether Trump repealed it or not, you had the guy who wrote the bill sits on the board of Signature, and they blew up. So, you know, this is why people don't trust our legislature anymore. Oh, that's, 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 that's pretty wild. All right, a couple of other things. Number one, um, the executives there at SVB are said to be very woke, very politically correct. There was some woman who was in charge of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, but she also had a big role in the financial uh, aspect, and she said some crazy stuff, and they had crazy woke policies regarding employees and safe spaces and all that stuff. Do you think that played a role here? I think it played a tremendous role, and we're seeing this across many, many stocks. And if you look at Nike, you look at Net. You look at Disney. As soon as they went all in on the whole woke agenda, they proved the axiom, go woke, go broke. And you start wondering, Greg, when most of America's depositors, life savings are at stake, should the management of the 15th largest bank in the world be focused on the risk on their balance sheet, protecting their investors, their, their depositors' capital, or should they be focusing on the environment, climate, and how much, how many, you know, how much carbon monoxide is going into the uh, universe? I personally want to invest in companies, and most people should that spend the bulk of their time, like a hundred percent, trying to get them the best possible returns. And the main thing that investors care about and depositors in a bank is preservation of capital. And every time they take their eye off the ball for that stuff, it leads to stuff like this. Let's go. I spoke to you a while ago. Do me a favor. The FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, I think it stands for. uh, How much money do they have on hand? Well, the FDIC right now has $225 billion on hand for these type of situations if a bank cracks here and there. The problem with that is that's about 1.25% of all the deposits in the U.S. Deposits in the U.S. right now are at $22 trillion. So every little next one is going to come to a point where the FDIC says, we don't have any more money. And then when Joe Biden keeps saying taxpayers aren't going to pay for this, He's lying again because what they're going to do is they're going to print more money, 
They're going to cause more inflation. And then the Fed is going to have to keep raising rates. And the more they raise rates, the more banks will blow up. So we're in kind of this governmental conundrum right now where they can't get out of their own way without hurting someone. And I think they call it a, a Mexican firing line when everybody <laughs> stands in a circle. <laughs> is it possible he was saying that uh, a private bank, a private bank will come in and buy this thing and that will kind of reset things and it would not be a taxpayer loss and they could rebuild from there. Could that be what he was getting at? Well, look, I, I don't, I don't think Joe Biden even knows what he's saying. I'm sure somebody handed him a bunch of notes, but no, Greg, I mean, look, there's always going to be the bargain hunters and the scavengers out there who want to pick up the pieces and vulture the carcass of the dead bank. But, um, no, it's not gonna, it's not gonna alleviate any of those problems. And by the way, the only way that it would is a potential buyer would come in and buy it at a discount, and then they probably negotiate a deal with the with the Fed or the Treasury or both um, to guarantee a hundred percent of of the people's deposits or to accept a hundred cents on a dollar on the Treasuries that are worth fifty cents. So, yeah. in instance, somehow or another, we the people. We'll pay the price for it. Now, John Tobacco, let me ask you this, because I got a lot of callers who are telling me that the uh, the people who have over $250,000 are not entitled to get their money back. And I know letter of the law, that might be true, but I'm upset not at the depositors. I'm upset at the uh, at the managers and Biden probably and all the regulators, but not the depositors. And I do feel that in a just world, they are entitled to all of their money back. How do you come down on that? Well, look, Greg, I'm a capitalist, okay? And no matter how much of a capitalist you are, when you enter into a contract, you should read all the fine print. And that's why I would remind people to educate themselves on this stuff. You signed an agreement with the bank saying, yes, I understand that I'm only guaranteed up to $250,000. If you are lucky enough to have over that amount of money in a bank, then to mitigate that risk, what you need to do is put it in separate accounts or open an account at another bank but do not keep more than $250,000 in one bank account. 90%, 90% of the depositors at Silicon Valley had more than 250. Uh, 90%. Now, if banks, if most people did that or people who had those kinds of means, you know, if, if nobody had an account above 250, what would that do to the banking industry? Well, look, um, 97% of Silicon Valley's depositors had over 250. But I would just say, look, to regular people out there where a lot of this stuff flies over your head, um, do a little housekeeping today. Sit down with the missus. Figure out if we're lucky enough to be over 250. Are we set up right? Open a couple of new accounts and spread out your risk on the banks. But no matter what, you have an explicit guarantee from the government and the FDIC that you're covered up to 250. So if you are lazy, and you keep more than that in one account, and your bank fails. Yes, I don't want to see any American get hurt, but at the same time, as a capitalist in corporate America, you signed a contract, you should be looking out for your money more than the bank, if you ask. Who knew putting your money in the bank could be so risky, you know? I mean, uh, wow. What's that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, people don't realize, even in, when you go in a bank, um, if you're over 250, you're not guaranteed. So, you know, my grandfather, Angelo, used to say, forget about those banks. Put the money in the chock full of nuts can, bury it under the tomato garden, and you're <laughs> safe, and you'll have beautiful tomatoes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. One more thing. If I mean, the whole damn system seems to be 
I mean, I don't want to call it a Ponzi scheme, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's been like this for, for centuries, right? I mean, there's never enough money around to cover all the depositors, right? I mean, that's just, if there, nobody would, they wouldn't be able to make loans if, if they had the money ready to give back to the depositors at any given time, right? Unfortunately, most people don't realize that the core of the fractional reserve banking system we use, no matter how much money's in the bank, the bank only has to keep 10% of that on hand. The other 90%, they can go out and either invest or make loans, and they have to do it in specific type securities. Yeah. Government-issued treasuries are qualified under that. Um, just little did they know that the rates that they were getting paid were going to double since they did it, and that's what's got this bank and many others kind of running for the hills right now. John Tobacco, amazing stuff. I'll see you. Uh, you'll see John on my show tonight on Newsmax at 10 p.m. John, I thank you, and we'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's reverberating in my mind a lot when Joe Biden says no losses associated with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank will be borne by the taxpayer. And when it comes to signature bank no losses will be borne by the taxpayer is that just joe being joe again telling us uh, nice stuff and is it as inflationary as john tobacco suggests i'll be right back with your calls greg kelly, greg kelly. on the red apple podcast network you know last night was the academy awards did not even know about it i kind of vaguely knew i think it was on yes yeah, on what movie won for Best Picture? What movie was even nominated for Best Picture? The only movie I can name from the last five years, literally the last five years, is uh, Top Gun, which I saw last May, and I made a special thing. I thought it was important to go to the movie theater and support a movie. I used to love going to the movies, and I enjoyed going to the movies to see Top Gun, but the movies stink. Top Gun was pretty good, but every other movie stinks. It's all weird. It doesn't speak to the masses. It doesn't speak to, and that's what a good movie's supposed to do. It's supposed to speak to millions and millions and millions of people. Uh, these movies, whatever the hell they're about, I don't know. I've tried. They're 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 just bad. Uh, meanwhile, television shows get more and more interesting. The TV, the the maybe it's something about the format, but the movies stink. Everyone's talking about that guy who is. Nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I guess he won Best Supporting Actor. What he what he got up there and said was, dreams come true. Never, never give up on your dreams. Which sounds nice until you think about it, because everybody has dreams. Very few people want to put in the damned effort to make those dreams happen. It's the easiest thing in the world to have a dream, daydreams, you know, just, oh, yeah, that would be really nice. And Hollywood celebrates that kind of thing. I don't know. Every, um, you ever notice so many of the, movies or TV shows or whatever, just historically or actually about kids with mystical powers. You know what I mean? Somebody was just, ooh, the boy wonder. Uh, but they seldom show the work that is involved to get good at something or to be masterful. It's always this: somebody has a gift, you know, and they're just, uh, even The Matrix, which is a great movie, huh? All right, uh, let's go to, uh, oh, I guess Dave, you, all right, Dave, I understand. Do you have, have anything else to say here, David? No, I just uh, listened to Mr. Tobacco. I think he's right on all counts. Uh, one way or another, the taxpayers are going to foot this bill. Um, and I do believe that we should stick to the contracts we sign. And when you sign up with a bank, you agree that if they lose the money, 
you collect $250,000 back, no more. Well, I hate to see uh, people lose money. Uh, you know what? I actually, I, uh, I checked with the wife, you know, uh, uh, we don't have that much cash on hand. <laughs> Fortunately, it's the only time I've ever been. We are uh, pretty much tied up in real estate. And, uh, that's actually, well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, we're cash poor, but we got some real estate. Anyway, David, thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're right. Maybe I, uh, maybe I needed to take another look at this. Uh, maybe $250,000. It just doesn't seem right though. Gosh almighty. Oh man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And in Staten Island, hello. Hi, Greg. I haven't spoken to you in a long time and I'm glad you're doing well. I watch your show. Uh, I have to just say on Fridays, you're up against Blue Blood, so I have to catch you at a later time. But my main reason to call is um, I'm very worried today also if you have more than a certain amount in the bank. And I'm thinking more and more of gold, I keep hearing. What are your thoughts? Well, I love gold, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm always high on gold. Uh, but I have to mention right away, Obviously, I am no financial advisor. I don't, I mean, look, my, I display my ignorance on financial matters. I'm, I'm upfront about it. Look, I've never worked on Wall Street. It's not my, I don't like thinking about money. I like having money, but I just, it's not my expertise. But gold always, always, always seems like a great bet. And uh, some experts I've seen on TV today say, yeah, gold, metal, no problem there. And thank you very much. Oh, Wait a second. Barbara. Barbara from Huntington. Welcome back. How are you? Is this the Barbara from Huntington? Um, I'm I'm back. I'm well. I think I am the one and only. Uh, there might be other Barbaras in Huntington, but, you know, I, I don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara, anyway, welcome, welcome. So give us some perspective on what this all means. It's good to be back. Well, to me, what it means, because I'm not a banking expert, you know, I, I watch and, and I know a few things. But to me, what it means is this is just an example of the chaos that is being brought into our economy and into our country by this administration. Absolute chaos in so many ways. And when you pointed out diversity, equity, inclusion, that certainly plays a role in this. That's easy to see just from the few things that I've read. And my question is, will this administration do everything that they can to prevent this from being an all-out disaster in this country. And if they do, to me, the only reason they will do that is to help them with the re-election. Not because they want to help the American people. Not because they want to abide by contracts and rules and banking laws and responsibility. Only if they see that it benefits their quest for power and control. Well, look, and... and Re-election is a healthy motivator in most cases. You know, I mean, elections are good. You know, you want to do things that please the most people. And solving the bank issue is uh, would be pleasing to most people. I can't really, you know, I don't want to psychoanalyze them too much. If if it is, if that's what is motivating them, well, it's what motivates most people in Washington. I don't have a huge issue with that part. But, yeah, you're right. They They just, they're all about control. And who knows what ulterior motives they have? And but Barbara, I, what, what, tell us a little bit. You know this stuff. I mean, the Bank of the United States. I remember reading about it in school. At its inception, it was very controversial. There was a big fight about it. Hamilton was involved. Alexander Hamilton. 
What's the deal? Uh, what did the founding fathers think about banks? They were, there was great disagreement as to the role of government being involved with banking. And George Washington said several things. And one thing he said is that uh, uh, the banks are more a threat to this country than a standing army of another country. And he said the principle of spending money to be paid by posterity, which is what we're doing now with the borrowing and the printing, this fake money. He said, it's but swindling the future on a very large scale. And so our founders were very, very worried about, not only were they worried about other things like controlling the press from getting out of hand and basically destroying our republic, but they were very worried about banking and and the treatment of the banks. And John Adams said, I have the quote in front of me, all the perplexities and distress in America arise not from defects in the Constitution, not from want of honor or virtue, as much as from downright ignorance of the nature of money, of credit, and of circulation. And that's what we see. And so we elect people to our government to oversee these things, men of honor, virtue, honesty, men of experience, and men of knowledge. Now, some of the things that we hear coming out from Washington reflect none of that. And certainly not a word from our president can be thought to be reflective of any knowledge he has about what is going on with banking and and what to do to help the situation. You know, it was always amazing when Trump would talk about the economy in detail and leverage and and just the details, because this guy has taken out loans. You know, he knows about collateral. He knows about all that stuff. He knows banking through and through, customer, and he multiple banks. He knows that stuff. And Joe, we saw, you know, Joe just knows how to smile and uh, ask for favors and ask for money. And it's amazing the, the 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 lack of skill that he has. Do you know what I mean about Trump? I mean, when he starts talking about it, people write Donald Trump off, they focus on the wrong things. The guy was a <laughs> so much practical experience. That's pretty wild. John Adams said that all the problems don't come down to uh, ignorance about the nature of money. Huh? Right. Exactly. And you have said before how important it is at this point in our country's situation to have a president with great experience and knowledge. And that's what we see with Trump. He knows what's going on with this. It would be interesting. This would never have happened, I believe, if his administration were still here. But I would I would give all of my my money to him to control (laughs) rather than to this administration to control. He's a man of experience and knowledge in all of these areas. And we need that. We need it so badly now. I hope this is becoming apparent to people. I think it is, you know, and, and by the way, I know there are some people who will hear what you say and they'll smirk. Oh, Donald Trump doesn't really know that stuff. He doesn't really know that stuff. No, no, no. He's just a showman. No, he really does. And imagine sitting down a president with, say, uh, bank regulators or the governing board of the Federal Reserve or the Treasury Secretary and all these players. He actually speaks their language. He speaks that language. He knows it. And that's a thing. That's important. And, uh, well, Barbara, thank you once again. You gave me something here, the John Adams quote. That's a doozy. I love it. I love it. I love it. 
Welcome back to New York and uh, to be continued soon. She is the best. Oh, all right. I got to take one more quick break. Uh, Sandra, you're next. And uh, uh, ooh, how about that? John Adam, what a wise lady she is, huh? I mean, that's just it's great, great stuff. All right. Thank you. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, the fake news getting very, very excited about uh, Donald Trump possibly being indicted by our crazy, insane uh, DA in New York County, Manhattan, Alvin Bragg. Looks like it could happen. They're making noises to that effect. You got to remember this. This is that whole thing with Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels and a check for $130,000 seven years ago. Seven years ago. So one of the attorneys in the DA's office who was working on this theory or working on this case and really, really pushing it, really saying, okay, this is where we got Trump. We got him on this. He's in, he's in trouble here. We can prosecute him. You know what? Everybody else in that office was looking at him like he had 15 heads. They didn't trust him. They didn't like him. They thought he was overzealous. They thought he was way out of bounds. And even his name is Mark Pomerantz, and he wrote a book about this. He wrote a book about he was like a consultant at the DA's office. They brought him in to get Trump, and boy, did he want to get Trump. And this thing with Stormy Daniels and and the check, this is what they're going to try him on. This is what Mark Pomerantz wanted to get him on. But listen to how he even characterizes this strategy, all right? This is his own book. These are his own words. The audio version of his book, The People versus Donald Trump, Mark Pomerantz, bad, dirty, overzealous lawyer, cut 33. So to charge Trump with something other than a misdemeanor, Danny would have to argue that the intent to commit or conceal a federal crime had converted the falsification of the records into a felony. No appellate court in New York had ever upheld or rejected this interpretation of the law. No court had ever entertained such a lunatic idea. All right, because it was crazy. Now, listen to this. This guy, they're bending over backwards to catch Trump. Cut 32, please. I thought that the hush money could be charged as the proceeds of Clifford's extortion of Donald Trump. Admittedly, this was a somewhat awkward construct. Step one would be to prove that Trump was, in effect, a blackmail victim. Isn't this amazing? So it was a creative legal theory, creative, neither intuitive nor obvious. The district attorney raised his eyebrows at the notion that we would be claiming that Donald Trump was a victim of blackmail. So what he says, if you make him a victim of blackmail, right? Okay, let's say he's being blackmailed, but then blackmail is a crime. If he goes along with paying money to the blackmailer, that means he's committing a crime as the victim of the blackmail. That's a thing that's never been tried and nobody ever even considered that. So if I get held up on the street, right, if somebody takes a gun out, says, give me your money, give me your stuff, and I give him my stuff, am I committing a crime in handing over my my material? Those are criminal proceeds. And he's trying to say, yes, that's a crime. Even when you're a victim, you're committing a crime. This is insanity. But all the rules are out the window when it comes to Trump. That's just get him at all costs. And it doesn't even matter of a conviction. Just indict him. They're dead. Indict him. Just do it. Just do it. That's what they want. I actually think it's going to blow up in their face. If you indict him, he only gets stronger. Sandra in New Jersey. Hello. Hello, Greg. Listen. 
try to tell the people regarding the banks not to panic and stay calm. I'm upset too, but everything will work out, I hope. And, and I feel that every penny that any person puts in the bank, they're entitled to every single penny back. But that's uh, not, not according to Dave and Susan. They're like, oh no, only up to $250,000. Even my friend John Tobacco, I understand now. I understand more than I used to. All right, so what's up? Okay, so. This is very upsetting about anti-Semitism. Um, do you remember when Kanye West brought his friend Nicholas Ferrante over to the Mar-a-Lago house for lunch? Yes. And they made a big deal that Trump is entertaining anti-Semitic people, and they made a big, big deal. Yes, yes, I remember. You know? Okay, so I learned on Mark Levin's show, he had a, a small segment saying that Farrakhan just spoke to well over a thousand people and he was saying to these people that the Jewish people should have another Holocaust. Now, why is that meeting that Trump had with two people all over the world, and this is not mentioned anywhere? And this is all right. Well, hold on a second, Sandra. Relax. I mean, yes. Look, Farrakhan is abhorrent, and we've known that for a long time. He's an anti. And in a weird way, that's not news. Him calling for the Holocaust. He's a horrible guy. What is unknown to a lot of people is his association and friendship, and I have highlighted this on my show with Barack Obama. I'm going to play that tonight. I'm going to show everybody tonight uh, that chummy picture. When was this speech, this horrible speech that he gave? Oh, yes, last night. Last night? All right, I'm going to grab that speech, and I'm going to show this picture of Barack Obama with his buddy, Minister Farrakhan. Thank you, Sandra, very much. Let's try Phil in Suffolk. Phil. Hey, how you doing, Greg? Good. All right. I want to talk to you about digital currency. Quick. Uh, digital currency, if it's instituted like Biden wants to do, according to the Senate Bill 3571 Banking for All Act, huh. and the executive order he signed, yeah. 4067. I don't need the numbers. What's the point? The point is that this is instituted. Everything that anybody knows about gold and anything else is going to be doesn't make a difference. The government is going to control everybody's move everywhere. Wait a second. Are you talking about are you talking about the uh, the thing with the five hundred dollars, six hundred dollar transactions of the IRS? No, 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 no. No, I was on the Mark Levin show. I mean, I was on Hannity show. All right. Well, congratulations, Phil. I mean, all right. Well, good. You call into all the shows. All right. So, what do you, what do you, what what are you telling me again? The digital currency. He's trying to institute digital currency. Yeah, we don't like digital, digital currency, currency, and this is his, this is his plan. All right, Phil. Thank you very much. I'll make a note of that. Uh, interesting, interesting. Uh, all right. I do have to go across the street. Let's just try John real quick in Staten Island. John, yes, hi. Hey there, Greg. Uh, years and years ago, I started in the banking industry. I used to work in the uh, reconciliation department. The, the only thing that stops this, this, this monstrosity happening is audits. You know what? When Obama and Biden was vice president, they, in, they in, inflicted this Dodd-Frank uh, Act. And you know what? Biden's back, so it's the continuation. You want to stop this fraud? Audit these people. That the bank in, in California. All right. Well, we just might have the guy to do it. It's his name is Charlie, and he's a former New York State bank examiner. Charlie, hi, welcome. Is that you? Hi, good to speak to you. So, what's the deal? Uh, look, I just wanted to point out one thing regarding FDIC insurance. 
That's per individual. So, in other words, if you and your wife or whoever have a joint account, the, each is entitled to $250,000 coverage. So I, I don't want people to panic uh, thinking if they're over two fifty and, and they're, they're, they have a joint account, they're in trouble. They're not. It's up. It's two fifty each. I just looked into it yesterday, mm. and and I, I saw it verbatim. Charlie, so let me ask correct. you something. When you were as a bank examiner, what would you do? What would you do? You show up, and what would you look for? What would you ask for? Well, when you when you do an examination, you, you present the bank prior to the examination with a list of all of the uh, uh, the. the records you want. Uh, and uh, usually it's not a surprise because uh, you're there to make sure that they, they're following laws and the proper banking law and regulation and they're managing risk. Risk is what's the key. of Everything they touch has risk and it depends if they manage risk and if they mitigate risk. And and that's the you know a bank examiner looks, but most of it, it's it's a it's not a, a adversarial relationship when you do an examination. No, you sound very reasonable and nice. I could uh, all right. So, uh, well, what, what what do you make of this uh, SVB thing? Who screwed up? It's hard to say. It has to do with again with interest rate risk. You know, with the buying buying bonds and. You know, the trouble is the bank can only have so much cash on hand. Or, or right. Usually they have lines of credit to draw on if, if there is a run on the bank. But uh, the, those banks, I, I don't know what they were into, that uh, they, they put themselves in a position where they, they there's a consideration that they, they're being taken over. Yeah. There must have been some aspect to their balance sheet that lot of risk charlie i like your style i uh i, I do <laughs> regulators and examiners i don't think that uh, but you're you're great and thank you for that insight appreciate it and i'll see you guys tonight at 10 on newsmax thank you traffic jams tailgating pile-ups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive that's right the Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.